Are you ready for God's word? Are you? Good, good, good. We've been talking about God's perfect timing. And we've said that timing is everything. Isn't that true? Timing is everything. It's what's, it's what, timing is what makes a comedian average or great. You know, they've said, and, and I've listened to different comedians talk about how they had to work for years and just work the circuit till they got their timing just right. It's what makes a leader a great leader versus an average leader. See, it's not enough to know what to do. It's also to know when to do it. Some say that's called wisdom. Yes, wisdom is when knowledge and timing come together perfectly. Wisdom. It's what, it's what makes one athlete worth millions and another athlete just thousands. Think about it. What's the difference between a major league pitcher and a minor league pitcher? Oh, you might say a multi-million dollar contract. But I would say that multi-million dollar contract is for timing. Timing. There's a lot of good pitchers in the minor leagues that can throw a good fastball. But do they have the timing to work the game? The truth is, you can say something that is that is well thought out, but if you choose the wrong time in which to say it, it can ruin everything. Can it not? How many of us have ever said something that wasn't in itself wrong, but chose the entire wrong time to say it, and it bombed? I know I've been there. I've, I've done it recently. And so timing is everything. Today, I want to talk to you about trusting God's timing. Trusting God's timing. Do you realize that over the course of this Christmas season, I was studying and presenting, uh, studying to present the message and present this series. And as I looked over the Christmas story, I couldn't help but realize that there are so many references to time in the Christmas story, in the fullness of time, in God's perfect time, in the right time. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul puts it this way to the Galatian church. He talks about God's timing being perfect. That's point number one. God's timing is perfect. So we need to trust his perfect timing. Now listen to what he says to the Galatian church. He says, but when the right time came, what? There's such thing as a perfect time, a right time? Yes, I want you to think about this. God is perfect, so his timing must be perfect. His timing must be perfect. That means if something is happening, it's happening because God deemed it was right for it to happen. Listen to Jesus. I mean, listen to the words that describe Jesus' birth. But when the right time came, the time God decided on, he sent his son, born of a woman, born as a Jew, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own sons, as his very own children. I want you to think about that. In the right, perfect time, the time God chose. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yes, pastor, but that's, that speaks only about God's son. That doesn't necessarily speak about things in my life. I want you to turn to the book of, of Ecclesiastes. Now, this is a verse that many of us are familiar with. They even wrote a song about it. But I want you to read it 
out of a fresh new version called The Voice. Now, The Voice is a, uh, is a paraphrase, and it, it captures the same, the same meaning of a more traditional version, but sometimes using different words just helps it really penetrate. So stay with me on this. The teacher, which is Solomon, says this, for everything that happens in life, there is a season. There is a season, a right time for everything under heaven. Did you catch that? He didn't just say for the sending of his son, there's a right time. Only for those big things, there's a right time. But for everything, do you know what that means? That means you and I are not here by accident. That you are here at God's divine appointment, at God's divine choosing, that you are part of God's master plan. Can I get a hallelujah? Can someone say, wow, I'm no accident. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this. You're a snowflake. Some of you are going, what? Did you just call me a snowflake? No, not a cupcake, a snowflake. Snowflake means that you are unique. There's no, there's no two snowflakes alike. I don't know whoever went out and studied that. But that's what I read the other day. There are no two, two snowflakes alike. Every one of them have their own unique pattern. You are unique. You are perfectly designed by God's hand for this perfect time. As a matter of fact, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good work, to perform the good plan that he has in his heart for you to do. You are here by divine appointment. Now you might be thinking, pastor, you don't understand. I was an accident. Your parents may not have planned you, but you were no accident to God. God knew exactly when you would be here and he designed you for this time, for this occasion, for this season, and he doesn't make mistakes. Can I get an amen? Come on, I want you to know your life is important. I want to highlight that with the story of Joseph. Joseph is a character in the Old Testament who had an amazing plan for his life. You say, but pastor, why his life and not his brothers? The truth is, every one of his brothers had an amazing plan for his life. I just believe Joseph took the time to dream. How many of us are dreamers? How many of us have had a dream in our heart? How many of us have engaged God's dream and hope for our lives? Do you know that God gives you hope? He gives you a hope, the Bible says, a hope for a future. Doesn't the Bible say that? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to do what? Prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, a hope for the future. That means if you have hope, God has put it there. Why? Because he desires for you to want better. That is a God-given thing. He gives you a desire to be great. He gives you a desire to change. He gives you a dream. And that's why you were born, that you might live out God's hope for his glory, that you might accomplish that which he puts in your heart and begins to what? Stir up within you that you might be able to do it for his glory. Now you're thinking to yourself, pastor, is this true? How about Joseph's life? Joseph was a dreamer. I can relate to Joseph because I can remember as a young kid, my dad uh, said that to me once. He said, you know the problem with you, Chris? 
I was always giving him trouble. And he said, you know the problem with you? One time he was frustrated. It's my dad's birthday yesterday. So dad, I love you, but, but I'm going to tell this story on you. He said, he said, the problem with you is you're a dreamer. And I remember thinking, some may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm also a, I'm also a singer. I don't sing very good, but I, I like to live by song. Amen. The other day I was dancing in the bedroom and Melissa was like, what in the world are you doing? I said, don't you ever feel like just dancing? Some of you are looking at me like, no, but anyway, uh, you probably don't dream either, but I'm just kidding. Listen, you got a dream, amen? And so God gave Joseph a dream. And what was that dream? It got him in some trouble. He said, I was dreaming the other night. He was telling his brothers, he said, we were, we were bundling wheat and my bundle rose up and yours bowed down to mine. Ooh, that didn't settle very good in their heart. How many of you know that when, when someone gets a dream and they start living that dream, you can get jealous. How many of you know when God gives you a dream, it can make other people jealous? So we gotta be careful with this. We'll talk about that in a second, but he has another dream. He says, my dream, my second dream is like the first one. The sun and the moon and the stars, they all bow down to me. Ooh, this made him really mad. And over some time, Joseph got in trouble over this dream. He got in trouble over his dream. But the most important thing I want you to know is God put a dream in his heart and he's put a dream in your heart. I'd love for you before you leave today is just to search your heart and to say, Lord, what dream have you given me that maybe has been under assault, has been under attack by the world, by family, by friends, or just by my own insecurity? Come on. By my own insecurity where I've begun to, I begin to doubt I've begun to doubt and I'm really having some problems. But can I tell you, God's timing is perfect. You can trust his timing and you're not here by accident. You have a divine appointment. Number two, the timing is God's business. You go, wait a minute, pastor. First of all, his timing is perfect. Now you're telling me it's his business. Yes, because if you're anything like me, you want God to share all the details with you. Have you ever noticed that when God gives you a dream and he gives you a call and he gives you something, he never gives you all the details. He doesn't tell you all the when and the how and the where. Can you imagine if he did tell you the when? Any procrastinators in the room? If you're a procrastinator, you're going to, oh, I don't have to worry about that for five years. I can just keep hanging out, doing what I'm doing. How about this? How about those that aren't procrastinators? How about those of you who like get after it right away? How many of you would try to get ahead of God and say, Lord, we can speed this up by at least four years, right? I got some great ideas. Here's my, here's my work plan. Here's, here's my proposal. Lord, would you just get with the program? If you do this for me, then I'll do the rest. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the way we go? How many of us would be scared to death if God began to tell us all that he planned to do over the last 20 years that he did? If he had told you ahead of time, would you have said, I don't think so? How about Joseph? What if he had told Joseph, I'm going to have you share your dream. Your brothers are going to get jealous. They're going to plot to kill you. And instead, they're going to sell you into forever slavery as a step up. 
as a, as a moment of kindness. They're going to sell you into forever slavery. But I will be with you, the Bible says, verse, uh, chapter 40, verse 2 and 3. But God was with Joseph, and he was a slave. How many of you love that? God, I don't need you with me if it means I become a slave. Then later on in that chapter, it says, and God was with Joseph, and he went from being a slave to being a prisoner. Wow. Wait, pastor, but you said God's timing is perfect. I'm also telling you that God's timing is his business. Our business is to trust him. You say, no, you're going to have to show me in his word. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11. God has given them a desire to know the future. Who is them? Humans, us. Isn't that true? Don't we have a desire to know the future? Come on, people go and pay good money for a palm reader to scam them. They go to, they go to all sorts of mediums and they go to psychics and they go to here and there and they read the tea leaves and they roll this and they jump over this and they do all sorts of things trying to figure out the future. Why? Because God has given us a desire to know the future. Who knows the future? He does. So when we desire to know the future, we should desire to know him. Not this other nonsense. But stay with me, because watch what he says. He does everything just right and on time. What is he saying? You have a desire to know the future. Snuggle up to God because you can trust him. That's what he's saying. Watch this. But people can never completely understand what he is doing. Anyone who ever watch Bruce Almighty? You know, he wants to be God, and then lo, lo and behold, he starts changing this and that, and, and everything starts going haywire. And so I think it's best for us to just trust God, trust him. This is why Jesus follows up this very thought in Acts 1, 7. Read it with me. I'm going to read it out of two different versions. The first version is the New Century version. It says this. Jesus said to them, the father is the only one who has the authority to decide dates and times. These things are not for you to know. I love the way the message puts it. Watch this. He told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the father's business. So what's, if timing is the father's business, then timing is none of our business. Uh-oh. Do you see? This is what's so amazing about the story of Joseph. So his brothers sell him into slavery. They sold him to be a slave in Egypt. I don't know if you know this, but in the ancient world, if you get sold into slavery to another nation, you are destined to die there and your family's 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 family is destined to die slaves. There's no getting out. And so they sold him into slavery. And do you realize that the reason God was with Joseph and says he showed him favor was because Joseph's attitude was impeccable. Now, I don't know if he ever had a bad day, but we don't see any of them talked about in God's word. All we see is Joseph trusting God, saying, you know what, Lord, You've given me a dream. The timing is up to you. All I need to know is that I'm sticking with you. 
I'm just sticking with you. I'm gonna. Now, how many of you would have lost your minds if God gave you this dream and then you're in slavery? Uh, one honest person in the room. <laughs> Two, me and you. Because I would have lost my mind. I would have gone nuts. And go like, what? And am I the only one? Because this just doesn't seem like it makes sense, God. And I would have been throwing a temper tantrum and just going off. And, and, and yet, timing is not our business. And do you realize when, it, when, when God says timing is not your business, we're called just to be attentive to what he says. And sometimes if he says, I'm going to do something, then guess what? His word, his mouth never proclaims what his hand doesn't perform. I need you to think about this with me for a second. What do you call someone that talks but doesn't back it up? Is God that person? No. He is perfect. He doesn't lie. Therefore, if he gives you a dream, he will accomplish it if you trust him for it. If you trust him for it. He'll accomplish it. And so, if he hasn't said no... And the last thing you heard is this is what I'm going to do for you. This is what I'm going to, I'm going to accomplish through you and with you. Then it shall be done. Let me share one more thing. How many of you know that no is not the same as not yet? Or no is not the same as not now. We'll talk about the not now, but I can remember being in, in Disney World when Raquel was six years old. This is Raquel. She was leading worship over on this side. She's my, my lovely daughter who, uh, well, I'm just going to leave it there, baby. You're my lovely daughter. And you, you were at Disney World. We were six years old. And we, how many of you know that Disney is great at taking your money? Like they will take money you didn't even know you had. And it just like, you walk into the park and it just siphons gone. And so I can remember holding on to it really tight because we were a young little family. We, we, we had just, just enough. And so I told Raquel, I said, this is how much you have for souvenirs. She's always been really, really mature. So she said, okay, I'm going to use it wisely. I said, That's my girl. Yes. I always thought I was a perfect parent until my other two came along. And then I realized, oh, I'm just a regular parent. Raquel was a good kid. And so, not that they're not good. Now, what did I just do? Oh, my gosh. I'm glad they were in first service and not second. They're going to watch. They might be watching it outside. Uh, honey, Evie, I love you. You know I do. No, here we go. So, um, what happens is she buys a light that spins around. It's like a Tinkerbell light, whatever. And she goes, I'm going to hold on to the rest because the other, the other gift I get, I want it to last forever. And so then we go into different shops and she's looking for a ring or earrings or something that will last a long time. And I thought that was pretty wise. I was like, wow, that's amazing. But there's a little boy there and he's asking his dad for something. And his dad's like, not now. That's what his dad said, not now. We've got to go eat and mama's waiting for us. The little boy threw himself back. I mean, threw himself back and started wailing. I've never seen anything like it. Because growing up Mexican, that doesn't happen. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But my dad would have lost his mind. 
But I'm watching, and Raquel's watching, and, the, and then the dad picks up the little boy, and the little boy's still wailing, and he's trying to drag him out the store, and the little boy grabs the display stand and starts kicking and shaking, and things are flying everywhere. It's a spectacle. It's amazing. I didn't know a little kid could be so strong. There was something going on, because he got strong, and then now you got another Disney employee going, oh, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Now, let me, let me say this to you. Raquel looks up at me and she goes, oh, that would never work. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Us throwing fits and temper tantrums, oh, that'll never work with God. You can stomp your foot, you can hang your lip, you can act like a baby, you can throw yourself back, you can knock down this place, you can sit there and just get angry and get so frustrated, and God has all the time in the world. And he'll say, how many times do you need to go around that mountain before you mellow out? I'm talking to someone here today. I'm talking to someone that's saying, Lord, you need to speed up. And God's saying, I I don't speed up for anybody. You work on my time frame. And if I've said not yet, it's not yet. You know, the truth is sometimes we think we're waiting on God. What if God's waiting on us? Anyone ever been in a place where God is waiting on us? So I want you to stay with me on this because the timing is God's business. We said, number three, God's timing is purposeful. So when he's waiting, maybe he's waiting on us. What do we mean by he's waiting on us? I mean that that God's timing involves preparation and training. How many of you know God God needed to see Joseph show the character that was absolutely necessary to fulfill the dream he had put in his heart? What was the dream he had put in his heart? That he would be raised up and the whole family would bow down to him. But not just that, God would soon use him. Watch this. He would be shown favor. So much favor so that that Potiphar's wife, his master's wife, would take a liking to him. He would stand in integrity. Why was integrity so needed? Because he was going to rule and he needed to have impeccable integrity where he was headed. The truth is God is training and preparing us so that what? Our character can hold what our talent produces. See, you might get to a certain place in your talent, but if the character can't hold you, then you'll embarrass you, the family, and God. And so God was showing Joseph, I'm trying to make a man out of you, not just a boy. With a dream. I'm trying to make a person of integrity out of you. And so when Potiphar's wife went after him, he resisted. She was offended and accused him of rape. He's now sent to prison. But God was with him and showed him favor. While in prison, he made a connection to the Pharaoh. Two years later, that connection bore fruit. And he ended up advising the Pharaoh on a dream and being promoted to the highest position in the land of prime minister right under the favor. He needed to be shaped. He needed to be shaped. God's timing has a purpose. He's preparing us. Can I just say this real quick? Can I just say, have you ever noticed that God's training ground, at least that I've seen, is never at Club Med. 
It's never like at a five-star Caribbean all-inclusive resort. I wish it were. I wish we could just be sitting by the pool. God's giving us a training. We're like, can I have another Mai Tai? Can I have another pina colada? You know, just kind of sipping, just having a good time. God's training us. This is beautiful. This is the life, man. Yeah. No, where is God usually training people? He trains Joseph in slavery in prison. He trained Moses in the wilderness. He trained David in the desert. He trained the three Hebrew boys in Daniel in the fiery furnace of infliction. And if you're going through it, maybe it's God saying, I'm preparing something in you, my son. I'm preparing something in you, my daughter. Don't be dismayed. Don't lose heart. Hang in there. I've got you. I'm doing something because when I get ready to move, I want you to be ready to handle the blessing I'm about to bestow. I'm trying to get you to a place where you can have the shoulders to handle what I'm about to pour on you. Because when I open up the windows of heaven, oh my goodness. Somebody doesn't want to hear this. They're like, no, don't tell them. Don't encourage me. Don't encourage me. I'd rather be broke, busted, and disgusted. Can I tell you guys, God was preparing Joseph. That's why the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season. This is out of the New King James Version. A time for every purpose. God has a purpose. He has a purpose. I'm going to go down to my next point, and that is telling you that God is timeless. What do I mean that God is timeless? Because he's timeless, he's never in a hurry. And no amount of us trying to hurry him is going to hurry him. We've already said that. But can I tell you too, is just because we think we're ready doesn't mean we're actually ready. How many of us have ever been there? We're like, I feel pretty ready, Lord. You should like get with the program here. I can remember saying that to one of my coaches. I said, coach, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I was a young guy playing up in, 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 in high school. I was playing up. I was a pitcher. I thought I had a pretty good fastball. I get in there and I get rocked. Very first batter. Boom. They go, you got this. You got this. Come on. You got this. I said, I got this. Three batters later, bases are loaded. Or four batters later, bases are loaded. Coach said, you're not ready. Come on, come on back. How many of you know it's more humiliating to be called back than it is to wait and be called up? And to be called up. The truth is God is timeless. And because he's timeless, he sees things we don't see. He has a different perspective. Imagine you're watching the parade of life or you're walking in the parade of life. What are you going to see? You're going to see what's happening in that moment in your surroundings. But if you're an angel, let's say you're on the top of one of the skyscrapers. You can see most of the parade, but you can't see all of the parade. You have a better perspective. Why? Because you're higher up. The Bible says that we were made lower than the angels. Higher than the animals, lower than the angels. Okay? So our perspective is higher than your dogs, but lower than the angels. How about God's perspective? God doesn't, he's not on the rooftop. He's in his throne in heaven. He sees the entire parade of life. He knows everything that's happening, when it's happening, how it's happening. He can step into the past as easy as the future. And he can be present in the present all at the same time. 
And because of this, he knows what's best. And to try to explain this to us would be like explaining um, nuclear physics to an ant. It just wouldn't happen. And so he says, you need to trust me on it. And because I'm timeless, I know exactly when it needs to take place. Now, listen, this is where it pertains to us. We need to not lose faith. We need to not lose faith faith, and we need to hold on and know that at the proper time, it's going to take place. Listen to what Habakkuk says. The vision is for the future, right? It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. It may seem like it's slow, but wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Meaning at God's perfect time, he'll be there. He'll be there, which brings us to our last point. At the right time, God moves and he moves quickly. He moves quickly. Listen to this. Isaiah 49, verse eight. There is what the Lord says. Uh, This is what the Lord says. At the right time, I will hear your prayers. You know what that means? At the right time, I'm gonna answer every prayer. Some of us have been praying. Some of us are getting frustrated and we're saying, why am I not married yet? Maybe God's preparing your spouse. And God knows that spouse isn't ready yet. Maybe God's preparing you. You're not ready yet. Well, Lord, why haven't you promoted me? Why haven't I started the business? Why isn't the business you've given me taken off? Why this? Why that? I think a better question is, Lord, how can I trust you more? How can I walk more in tune with you? How can I trust you in the midst of the fiery furnace? How can I trust you as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Because the truth is, so many times we think, oh Lord, I'll trust you. But when we get on the mountaintop, you're not going to trust him on the mountaintop if you haven't learned to trust him in the valley. See, you've got to go through the valley before you can get to the mountaintop. Or you might be tempted to sing, Jesus, take the wheel. Think about that crazy song. That's how some of us live. We get in trouble and we start yelling, Jesus, take the wheel. How about letting Jesus drive? Some of my Carrie Underwood fans are going, I don't know if I like that. I'm saying, let Jesus drive. And the truth is you learn to trust Jesus in the valley. It's dark, Lord. I can't see you, but I know you're there. Why? Because your words promised me you're there. And so as I reach out, I'm just going to take your hand. And though I'm scared and though I'm shaking and my knees are weak, Lord, I know that you will sustain me. And I'll learn to walk at your pace, Lord. I'll learn to walk at your pace. I'll learn to trust you. I'll learn to walk in your timing and your cadence with your stride. Lord, I'm not going to run off and try to leave you. And so in the right time, I'll answer your prayers. Listen to what he says. The smallest family will grow to a thousand. The least important of you will become a powerful nation. For I am the Lord. And when it is time, I will make these things happen quickly, suddenly, all of a sudden. It's going to happen. Why? Because I'm outside of space and time. And when I begin to move, I move. And I can do the impossible. Someone get some 
some serious courage for this year in your heart. Saying, I've been keeping on and I've been working and it feels like nothing is taking place. But maybe God is working underneath the surface and he's shaping you and he's preparing you and he's fashioning you. And he's doing something faith-filled in you so that when he moves, you're ready to handle it. You're ready to run. You're ready to run. This is where I finish and I'll say this, trust God's timing. I can remember as a young pastor, I wanted, I wanted to save the world. Oh man, I wanted to save the world. I can remember just hitting my head up against every brick wall. And then God comes to me in prayer and I go to him in prayer and he says, how's, how's it going with that? I said, man, Lord, I, I think I'm just gonna let you have the world. I just wanna, I just wanna touch my nation. I'll touch my nation. Hit my head over every brick wall. I'm just... It just seems like it's just so hard. Nothing all, I mean, it doesn't work out exactly the way I want, but I keep going forward. God comes to me in prayer, same conversation. I said, Lord, I think I'm gonna let you have the nation. I just wanna, I just wanna do something in the region. Hard work, stumbling, struggling. Lord and I get together again. He says, how's it going? I said, I think I'm gonna let you have the region. I just want the community. I just want to save my community. If I can save my community. Lord comes back a little while longer. He says, how's it going? I said, I can't save anybody, Lord. I think I'm going to let you save the community. I just want to save my family. You hearing me? I just want to save my family. And I'm getting older all the while. I'm getting close to being 20 years in the ministry. And now God's talking to me and he's saying, how's it going? I said, Lord, I can't even save my family. These girls are hard-headed. <laughs> Ouch, I'm sorry. They just, they just don't get with the program, Lord. I just don't understand. And then he says, you know what? Give me your family. I said, I'm gonna give you my family. I think I just wanna, I just wanna save myself. I just wanna save myself. Come on, anybody hearing me now? No, it's not over there. And I'm still working in the ministry and I can't seem to change even myself. And the Lord comes, he says, how's it going? I said, Lord, I think I need to give, I need to give you me. I can't even change myself. Is anyone in the room understanding what I'm saying? And God says, I'll take it. And then he begins to show me, if you had started there, uh uh-oh. It's only there that you can impact the world. But you gotta start with you. And you and I have to learn to walk together and you have to learn to trust me. And and now I understand what happened when it happened. See, one of the hardest things to do is to be in God's waiting room. Because we always feel like we're ready. And for some of us, God needs to hurry us along. For others, God needs to slow us down. And I'll never forget being in God's waiting room. I just said, Lord, if only we could get a building. If only we could get a building. If only we could get a building. And so I would come to God with these different crazy plans. And I said, Lord, I got an idea of how to pay for it. The state of Texas does this thing called the lottery. (laughs) I think if if you could hook it up, man, we could pay for it. I'll even pay for the church across the street. I'm generous, Lord. You know what I mean? You know, and, and so I, 
And, and, then, and then it's interesting because years would go by and then God would go, stop with the lottery business. You got to actually buy a ticket. And you're too big of a chicken to go buy a ticket. Because I'm afraid of what you guys might say. But, but this is what was happening. And I'd have these conversations. We could only buy a building. And sometimes when you're waiting in the waiting room of life, God's waiting room, and God's preparing some things in you, you don't always realize what he's doing, right? And you just think he just doesn't want to move. Can I tell you? He has a purpose. And he loves you with all his heart. And so then I heard of a pastor friend of mine. He got a building for a dollar. And I'm like, really, Lord? Come on, anyone ever do that to the Lord? Lord, come on. Oh, come on, Lord. A dollar, really, Lord? And he says, just keep on keeping on. In due season, if you don't get weary of doing right, you shall reap then the same pastor gets another building for like a hundred dollars or something ridiculous. And I'm going, and God's going, you're looking around when you should be looking at me. And he said this, he said, with you, I don't have to hurry you up. I always have to slow you down. And you're always running out in front of me. Anyone talk, am I talking to anybody? You're always running out in front of me. So with you, I'm not going to give you a million dollar donation. I'm not going to give you a building for a dollar. You're going to do it one dollar at a time, faithful stewardship, faithful stewardship. And I'm going to fashion in you to trust me one dollar at a time, one dollar at a time. And when it's done, you will know it wasn't someone else. It wasn't the generosity of someone giving it to you. It was me and my faithfulness. It was me and my faithfulness because you, son, need to know me as the one who works day after day, day after day, moment by moment, because you're so into the big moments, the the mountaintop experiences. That's who you are. You're a passionate man. But I want you to know that you can count on me in the mundane, in the details, in the little things. You can count on me. We bought 40 acres in cash, $1 at a time. We put this building on $1 at a time. And you know what else he was doing? When we moved into this building, something tragic happened. Very few people, watch this. Raise your hand if you were with us before we moved into the building. Raise your hand. Look how few. You want to know why? Because God was preparing me and preparing this church. My sincere prayer used to be, Lord, give us a blood transfusion. Don't let us go into the building the same way we are. We're about image and we're about ourselves and we're about things that don't really matter to you. I remember a lady came up to me once and said, you know what, pastor, we're the it church. We're the it church. And I thought, what does that mean? She says, if you have money and you're blonde, blue eyes, with two little kids, you're the it, we're the it church for that kind of family. And I thought, I'm Mexican. <laughs> I need to leave the it church. 
but, but no, no, I just want you to, the mentality, that's not what God's about. And I would pray against, Lord, make us wholehearted. Make us sincere. God, do you realize that I get more complaints than I get encouragement? I would get complaints about everything. People writing me notes. I said, make us different. So we move into the church and all hell breaks loose. People start getting angry and they're saying things like this. They're saying, there's not enough crosses on our property. I'm going, enough crosses. You know that big cross that's out there on the, on the, on the basketball court? I built that in a Sunday morning service Easter before we moved onto this property and I came and I put it on the property. And they're like, there's not enough, there's a cross in our name. Every time we write the word foundation, we have the cross in our logo. We have a cross in the front of the building. We've got Christ. There's not enough. And who gave you permission to build? And why would you build the youth center or that youth building before you give us older folks an awning for the older folks to come in out of the rain? And I said, because the youth are more important than you. You're going to die soon, but they're going to live on and take it to the next level. That's the truth. I don't want people doing things for me. I want them doing something for my children. You want to bless me? Bless my children. That's the truth. And I remember telling them that and they got all angry. And one of them, the ringleader, the ringleader looks at me and he goes, you're going to regret it. And this is what he said. He says, you're losing all of us. And when we walk out, let's see how you pay for that. That's what he said. God needed to grow me up by 10 years because if it had been any sooner, I would have crumbled. I wouldn't have had the strength to hold on. If it had been any sooner, I probably would have done this and said, forget y'all. I can make a great living for myself and I don't need to worry about you guys. I'm gonna go start a business and I'm gonna be the millionaire I know I can be. Because I had that kind of confidence in myself. And I wouldn't have paid attention to none of that as a young 28 year old, as a young 30 year old. I needed to be mellowed out by 10 years so that after 10 years of loving the Lord and learning to walk with him during my darkest time, I would come to this platform and I would lay down before the Lord and literally say, God, I am broken and I am scared and I want to admit something to you. I don't want to go back to the school because that's what they threatened. They said, you're going to go back to the school with your tail between your legs and you're going to look like a fool. And I said, Lord, I have to tell you in my heart, I'm scared to death to look like a fool, but let me be the fool for you. I said, though none go with me, I still will follow you, Lord. Your calling is irrevocable and I will hold on to your hand, God. I'll hold on to your hand. And in that prayer, I can remember going and praying with my wife too. And I heard these simple words, I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for it. And I got up, I said, when, Lord? (laughs) 
Same thing some of you are asking. When, Lord? I said, I'm going to pay for it. Let me give you a true testimony. Tobin Bortner was helping out. He comes in, he goes, we have 1,200 bucks in the bank account. Our light bill is over 3,000. Just our lights. Our water bill in the summer is over 1,000. I, I, I just, our insurance, our telephone, our, I mean, you just go on and on and on. And how am I going to do it? I said, Lord. Finally, I looked at Tobin. I said, don't tell me anymore. God's going to do a miracle. And he's one of, he looks at me like, oh, you're one of those pastors. <laughs> you know, it doesn't live in reality. Do you realize something? My degree is not from cemetery, I mean, seminary. <laughs> My degree is from Baylor University. That's why I'm Just saying, I didn't get to brag last week when my Bears won against the SEC. But anyway, that's another thing. God is good in every area. Um, My degree's in finance, economics, international business. I know we don't have enough, but God said, I'll take care of it. Can I hear, can I tell someone this? God said he's going to do something amazing this year in your life. It might be preparing, training, or releasing. Have faith. Have faith. I love you guys. So as you take your communion supply... Family, would you just with, with an open heart just say, with an open heart, would you just say, Father, what are you, what are you asking me to do? Holy Spirit, how do you want me to trust you? And I'm just asking right now that that you consider what the Holy Spirit is sharing sharing with your heart. Is he encouraging you? Is he asking you to cool your jets a little bit and let him lead? Maybe he's saying, you've stopped dreaming. You need to engage my dream for you again. Step forward towards me. Let me do something amazing in your life. I don't know what it is, but have a conversation with the Lord right now in this moment. Church, we partake of communion as a family. Jesus said, do this as often as you can remembering what I did for you at the cross. I allowed my body to be broken and my blood to be shed that you might have life, forgiveness of sin, and redemption. And so we partake as a family celebrating what he did and looking forward to his return 
until you return, Lord. We thank you. Dear Lord, thank you for your gift of salvation. Lord Jesus, would you speak to our hearts this week? Would you help us to dream again? Would you help us to trust you, Lord? Would you encourage us to take your hand and to walk with you? In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week. (laughs) 